and welcome to MedTech Insights Monthly Roundup of Digital Health News. I'm editor Marion Webb, and with me today are editor Reed Miller and UK-based reporter Barnaby Pickering. Hello, Barnaby. You just published a story about brain interface technology where you spoke to two companies who are pioneering that field. What can you tell us about them? Yes. So the companies I spoke to were BlackRock Neuro and Pixium Vision, both of whom are developing implants for either in or adjacent to the brain known as Brain Computer Interfacing or BCI for short. BlackRock is hoping to restore lost motor function with its Neuroport array and Pixium Vision is working on its Prima Vision system for patients who have suffered sight loss due to age-related macular degeneration. Both companies have seen some significant success in their goals. BlackRock's technology lets patients control electronic equipment, computers, robotic arms, and so on, but also perceive stimuli from outside of their bodies. In 2016, a patient shared a fist bump with former US President Barack Obama. What was most amazing about this instance wasn't just that a tetraplegic was able to control the robotic arm, but also that the patient could feel the bump itself. And on Pixium's side, the Prima Vision system has been able to restore a usable amount of sight in patients. The company's CEO, Lloyd Diamond, gave the example of a departures board in a train station. Patients with macular degeneration are often totally reliant on assistance with reading. However, patients fitted with the Prima Vision system are able to pick out letters on the board and work out where trains are headed and where they depart from. Diamond explained that the end goal of restoring true human quality vision is still a long way off, but being able to restore a usable amount of vision, vision that allows for more independence, is a huge milestone. And I understand that your story focused on two key things that have made these advances possible. What are they? In short, money and materials. Marcus Gerhardt, CEO of BlackRock, explained that over the past decade, more and more venture finance has made its way into the BCI space with the number of companies working on the technology exploding. He said that investors have also become much more patient, accepting that BCI tech may be some decades away from commercial success. This was mirrored by Diamond, who also caveated that the key challenge faced by BCI innovators was building a sustainable financial model. When BCI comes to mind, most people picture lab settings and million dollar per patient implants that work under precise conditions for short periods of time. This is true for the real envelope pushing technology, but obviously wouldn't work in any form of scale. Cost needs to be kept low, and both companies rely on health economic data to justify their reimbursement needs, which are both in the low tens of thousands of dollars per patient. The second major factor, materials, takes a twist that people don't expect. When I ask you what is the most exciting material in the medtech space right now, I can guess with some reliability that your answer will be graphene but you would be disagreeing with both of the execs I spoke to. Gerhardt and Lloyd both agreed that graphene holds potential, but said that the most rapidly progressing materials in the space are, in fact, base metals such as gold, platinum and iridium, all three of which are made into alloys for implantable electrodes. Improved manufacturing tolerances over recent years, thanks to increased demand for nanoscale precision in consumer electronics, has made getting perfect electrodes made cheaper and faster. Thanks, Barnaby. That's really interesting technology, and I know you'll be keeping an eye on that. Let's move over to Reed. So you've been following a company called Renalytics that is developing an artificial intelligence approach to assessing kidney disease. They recently announced some important partnerships. What can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, that's right. So Renalytics is focused on what they call bioprognosis, uh, specifically for kidney health. The company's lead product is the Kidney Intellix, and it's an artificial intelligence platform for assessing chronic kidney disease and quantifying CKD patients' risk of disease progression. Most recently, Renalytics announced a partnership with the American Diabetes Association to work with kidney disease experts to create a new diabetes kidney care pathway and model that will standardize and optimize risk-informed treatment and prevention of kidney disease. So I talked to Renalytics CEO James McCullough, and he explained how this deal with the ADA is helping them collect data on the patient's experience and how that is critical to the creation of any standardized diagnostic and treatment pathway. The second part of this partnership will be to work with the ADA to scale up and deploy this care pathway and model throughout the U.S. The company is also working with some drug companies and major government health plans. See, McCullough explained that the company is entirely based on partnerships, partnerships with health plans that want to use their system to help patients. They also want to partner with organizations that will help them collect data because that makes the model better. And then they also want to partner with organizations that will make this prognosis standard in the field. So right now, they're just working as a lab test. But at the JP Morgan conference two weeks ago, McCullough said that the expect kidney intellex will be an FDA de novo clearance in 2022. That's interesting. And there's a lot more detail on Renalytics and their strategy in MedTech Insight. Thanks for that, Reid. I suggest anyone interested in AI diagnostics look at how that company is growing. So, Reid, you also wrote about Stryker, a company we mostly think about as an orthopedic company, making a big deal in digital health. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so Stryker is obviously a major orthopedic player um, in robotics and so forth. They also sell a range of products and services to hospitals, ranging from smart beds uh, to imaging management technologies. So they're going to leverage those relationships to get more into helping hospitals manage their internal communication. So to do that, they agreed to buy a company called Vocera Communications for just over $3 billion. Now, Vocera offers a range of communication software and services intended to simplify communications between clinicians, administrators, and patients. So, for example, Vocera Engage Enterprise Software automatically routes communications in hospitals to ensure that clinicians receiving the information they need to care for their patients, but also reducing the unnecessary messages and preventing what they call alert fatigue in hospitals. And Vocera's Smart Badge is a hands-free voice communication device that looks a lot like those badges the characters on Star Trek use to talk to each other around the enterprise. The company also maintains the Vocera Edge cloud-based communication solution for smartphones and the Vocera Ease application for secure communication between caregivers, patients, and their families. So all that fits very well with Stryker's med surge business. Um, but the reason Stryker didn't make the deal until now, uh, even though this has always made sense, was because they were still paying down the, the debt that they needed to get right medical, which is an orthopedics company. Um, and they made that deal uh, a little over a year ago. And that cost just over $5 billion. So it, it's all taken some time to kind of work all that out. Um, this is definitely an aggressive move. Uh, the total acquisition price is about 13 times Vocera's expected total revenue for 2021, somewhere around $225 million. And the share price represents about a 29% premium over Vocera's stock price right before they announced the deal. So right now, of course, everybody in the hospital is on edge, and a lot of people there are burning out or just quitting. 
So it is a good time to be in the business of selling hospitals uh, technology that can make their staff's lives easier. Um, Vocera has about 1,900 customers right now, and of course, Stryker thinks they can expand that reach around the world. Okay, so over to you, Marion. Now, you wrote an in-depth piece recently about digital therapeutics last month, uh, where you interviewed a few medtech consultants. What were the highlights of that? Yes, thanks, Reed. So just to briefly introduce Digital Therapeutics, the Digital Therapeutics Alliance defines digital therapeutics as delivering evidence-based therapeutic interventions that are driven by high-quality software programs to prevent, manage, or treat a medical disorder or disease. So that, of course, encompasses a wide range of technologies and services from wearables, sensors, virtual reality, and even video games. A lot of people are already using digital therapeutics, which have seen tremendous uptake in the behavioral sciences, especially. Think of an app that can help us deal with stress and depression or feelings of isolation, which are all conditions that have been exacerbated during the pandemic. And millions of people are now using apps on their smartphones to help them cope with these issues. So we're increasingly seeing digital therapeutics being used as an add-on to other therapies like drugs or sometimes as a standalone therapy to help people with these kinds of issues and other issues as well. Think of a person with diabetes who may use an app to help keep track of their glucose levels, but also wants to learn about healthy eating exercise, or people who have suffered a stroke that may consider music therapy and sensors to help them improve their walking gait as well as cognitive issues. So proponents of digital therapeutics expect that this market could grow to 6 billion to 9 billion by 2025, driven in part by tech-empowered consumers and patients looking for solutions to better manage their health. And medtechs who look at this space will be able to differentiate themselves. Okay. And you also mentioned a number of other companies in your story that recently received FDA clearance for digital therapeutics. Now, one of those is Akili Interactive, uh, and you featured them in a recent profile story. Yes. So Akili developed an FDA-cleared prescription-only software to help children improve attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD. Endeavor RX, which is the name of the prescription-only software, is actually a game-based device that is intended to be used as part of a therapeutic program that includes clinician-directed therapy, medication, and or educational programs. The CEO said he's been on an almost decade-long journey to develop a product that's now being rolled out. So how it works is that by presenting sensory and motor stimuli via game-playing, the therapy targets areas of the brain that play a key role in attention function. So it'll be interesting to see what the reception of the therapy will be among physicians and parents or caregivers of children. Okay, that's great. And we'll keep an eye on that and a lot more in that space. The archive of the Digital Health Roundup, speaking of MedTech, MedTech Insights Device Week, and the rest of Informa Pharma's intelligence podcasts are available on the Informa Pharma Intelligence channel on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and Spotify Podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at medtech underscore insight. I'm medtech Marion. That's spelled M-A-R-I-O-N. Reed is medtech Reed with two E's. And Barnaby is medtech Barney, B-A-R-N-Y. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week.